Welcome to the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability Podcast Series. Today we have with us Jennifer Menke. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. It's great to have you here. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me onto this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Jennifer is the Project Director of Regenerative Economy Lab and Founder and President of Regenerative Earth, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. In 2015, she was nominated as an emerging global leader by the Academy for Systems Change and resides as a fellow of the organization. Jennifer has been managing a project in the Osa Peninsula, Costa Rica, for the past three years, facilitating local communities and governments to develop and implement a regenerative rainforest economy in which the community, ecosystem, and economy all thrive. Jennifer's community resource mapping and facilitation check techniques translate to diverse projects around the world, facilitating the rapid evolution of sustainable economic models. She also curates nature-based immersion retreat experiences for executives, investors, and leaders in their field. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. <laughs> I am uh, so excited to <laughs> chat with you today and to talk with you about the various threads that you've woven together in your personal life and your professional life and the ways in which you're able to bring so much value to executives and investors, others who are doing their part to help heal our planet and to help uh, create restorative and, and regenerative systems. And I, I want to ask, you know, before we get into some of the kind of technical sides of this, how did how did this get started for you? I, I know that this is a journey you've been on for a number of years. Mm. How how did that get rolling? The mm. so work specifically in the in the OSA and yeah yeah, yeah let's do that yeah yep. Um, so since I was twenty two, I've been um, I've been studying, um, being mentored by different indigenous elders and, mm -hmm. and spiritual leaders and elders. Um, and guiding retreats and learning how to guide retreats. And so since, let's see, that was about 15 years ago that I started on that path. Mm. And every winter I would do retreats down in Baja. Um, the Baja coast started getting developed where we would put people out on nature solos. And so we looked further south to find a place, you know, for the winter time for these retreats. Mm. And Costa Rica was, um, you know, the, the best option that we saw. So we went down there and discovered very shortly after the Osa Peninsula. And we decided to do the retreats in the Osa Peninsula because um, it has one of the largest or longest stretches of low-lying low rainforest left mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's fairly undeveloped. It's sort of the wild west of Costa Rica. And mm -hmm. so it makes a really um, conducive place for these deep retreats in nature where people can experience that pristine, untouched um, wilderness and, and, you know, in the case of the Osa, that primary rainforest. So we went down there and started doing retreats there and I just fell in love with the rainforest and um, also saw the needs um, that, that were being expressed by the community around um, needing help with, with supporting um, mm -hmm. people's livelihoods, sustainable mm -hmm. livelihoods, as well as protecting the rainforest because it was on the map 
um, for development just sort mm. of coming in. So mm. it's it's at that critical juncture in time where people are people know about the OSA, they're attracted to it, um, and there's more potential development coming in. Mm. So there needs to be you know those the the plans, the structure in place to really protect the rainforest, protect the people and the culture. And yeah, and just um, nurture it as. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, because I understand that that um, peninsula, which is on the very southwest uh, part of Costa Rica, is one of the most biodiverse places on the planet. Mm -hmm. And it's an incredible treasure in terms of genetic diversity with all those different species there. So, that means on the one hand, it's a really important. Uh, place to be protecting mm -hmm. and on the other hand it's an incredibly powerful place to bring executives and professionals to have this deeper connection with with nature and with mm -hmm. a a uh, primitive old growth rainforest environment mm -hmm. and this is interesting right because a lot of these executives are spending much of their time in boardrooms in front of computers with spreadsheets and reports and often office buildings in the middle of cities is a very different experience for them. And I'm curious, what, what do you observe when you're leading these retreats and these sessions with folks who are coming down from, from that kind of environment? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question because we, we definitely get people that, that come on this retreat in Costa Rica who have never been camping before in their life. Mm. And then they're, they're mm. signing up to basically spend the night in the rainforest for seven nights alone. Wow. Some of them, we've had people from Wall Street, I mean, from all walks of life, really. Mm. And I would say one of the things that is common throughout um, people who are coming from, you know, the city and in more of an office environment um, is that they they relax you mm -hmm. know and mm -hmm. and they open up to the beauty of life and the beauty of nature um, and so part of the awareness training that we put people through is is helping people to deeply relax and cultivate a level of, of presence and mm -hmm. awareness and when that happens and when you're in solitude practicing that um, what naturally unfolds is the heart starts to open up mm. and, and connection begins to happen. And it's not a mental connection. It's, it's a very, you know, it's sensory oriented. It's, mm. it's through your senses that you're connecting with the world around you. And then just this, this love, you know, mm. wells up in terms of love and appreciation for life. So people come out just glowing their eyes are, you know, beaming and they're, they, they find that joy and happiness, which is innate in all of us. It's just mm. sometimes we step away from that when, you know, we're really in our minds and stressed out and, you know, pushing ourselves um, to meet deadlines and, and all of that. So, mm -hmm. well, it makes me think that for many of us professionals these days who are so, so busy and, um, might relate to this metaphor where it, 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 it sounds almost like a, a muscle that if we are exercising it knows what to do mm -hmm. and it's the way you describe this as a sort of natural or innate ability that we each carry even if we many of us have never been to an old growth forest let alone mm -hmm. spent a night uh, solo 
sleeping in an old growth forest and what a powerful experience. Whereas probably most of our ancestors had some sort of experience along those lines, depending on how many generations back we go. So there's this peace in our humanity that kind of knows what to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool to hear that you, you experience that when you're leading people on these retreats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and one other thing I'd like to say too, is, you know, when you're in wild nature mm -hmm. that has had very little kind of impact or development, um, you know, that nature is, is really unfolding inflow, you know, with what I would call just universal energy. And when you put yourself in that environment and relax and open up and connect to that environment, I would say on a cellular level, um, you start to calibrate to it. And that's part of, you know, that's part of the beauty of just this, you know, unlocking of tension and really coming into that connection, that flow um that all life is emerging out of so mm, mm -hmm. mm, mm. beautiful yeah. that is so beautiful well you've mentioned this solo retreat idea and that's something that might be um, a bit unusual or foreign <laughs> to many of us and i understand you've done quite a number of these uh solo retreats and what what is the number <laughs> like mas o menos or more or less uh about 700 days collectively you know over the last yeah. actually the last 17 years so so mm -hmm. this is for you a real practice i mean this is mm -hmm. such a, an integral part of, of who you are now mm -hmm. um as a as a friend with family but also professionally mm -hmm. so that when you're bringing folks who maybe haven't had this experience before mm -hmm. they're with a, a a real seasoned expert yeah yeah i kind of felt like well if i wanted i mean at a young age i wanted to address just um the destruction of the environment mm -hmm. and look at how to help that and um and just saw that one of the root drivers of, of that was humans disconnect with the natural world yeah. And, and so I was like, well, if I'm going to help humans connect with the natural world, I need to learn how to do it myself. And mm -hmm. so that's why, yeah, I've just put myself through that, those experiences, that training, all of that, so that I could really understand for myself what that really meant to connect, you know, mm -hmm. with the natural world and, um, yeah, and just be more in harmony right yeah. and so now it's become a personal practice um that's sort of my touchstone you know when i really get busy and when i'm traveling a lot when i'm mm -hmm. i'm up against deadlines and i'm or i'm stressed um it's it's sort of the place where i touch back into going mm -hmm. out in nature uh to really settle into that <clears throat> deeper support of the earth and um really just all life you know the universe and and come back to that relaxed centered place so that i can then move out into action more effectively and mm. more in harmony with with all life that's that's really incredible really beautiful my sense is that as more and more of us seek that kind of experience out especially those of us who are working in the realms of finance and some of these other professional disciplines that are having tremendous impacts worldwide mm -hmm. as more and more of us get these connecting experiences my sense is that might help us as a society evolve in the direction of being better stewards of taking 
better care of these important places all over the planet. And I'm struck when you're talking about that direct connection. I've heard it said that we probably can't care for that which we don't love. Mm -hmm. And we probably can't love that which we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's sort of this invitation, right, to mm-hmm. get to know mm-hmm. this living planet in a different way. Right. It's really well put. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's where I think a lot of um, destruction happens and mm-hmm. resource extraction and all of that is because there isn't that... <clears throat> just that that empathy for how that is impacting other species, you know. Mm. So deforestation. Um, when we don't have that connection ourselves, then we don't feel the impact of cutting down trees and destroying a whole habitat. Yeah. Um, because it becomes more of a transaction, you know, right. um, for the financial profit and benefit, mm-hmm. um, rather than yeah, just understanding. You know, not only what it's doing to those species, but then even for ourselves down the road, how that's impacting our own lives and mm-hmm. the lives of our children and grandchildren. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not just so many thousand board feet of right. timber on right. a spreadsheet mm-hmm. somewhere, right? Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, when you have that direct, that connection through the senses and, you know, and, and that love well up, then there's a deeper caring. It's relationship. I mean, yeah. it's all about relationships. So mm-hmm. When you enter into a relationship with anything, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's another human or a tree or place, you know, there's there's much more um, care that goes into making, you know, to, to caring for it. Yeah. And then when you understand the mutual benefit, you know, that that relationship is providing or that other being is providing, then there's an incentive to take care of it because mm-hmm. it's actually doing a service to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where, yeah, I think in our economic system, it's kind of, it, it wasn't designed taking that into consideration. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so struck and inspired by the fact that you are working with an amazing array of, of people and, and down on the Osa Peninsula, one of the mm-hmm. projects you're engaged in is sustainable economic development for that region with the, the local communities, uh, included in that process and with great attention and care given to ways in which those people and their families can make sustainable livelihoods going forward in such a way that isn't uh, extracting and and degrading that that incredible ecosystem that exists there Mm -hmm. and i know you're doing some collaboration with some of the government entities down there and some Mm -hmm. others Mm -hmm. it's just remarkable i've seen some of the maps that you use to basically uh, visualize some of these relationships and mm-hmm. interdependencies and connectedness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious, what um, what might you share from that? There's obviously a lot of mm-hmm. expertise there, and there's also <clears throat> an incredible wealth of experience you've had working with a variety of people in, in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, so the reason why I started getting involved in more of this, what I would call external system change is mm. because with the retreats, I was seeing people go through these deep um, inner transform- transformative processes. Mm. And definitely some of them would go back to their lives and create um, significant change in their lives and in their workplace. 
But a lot of times people would go back and they go back to the same structures that they left. And so it was really hard for them to allow the seeds that were planted to mm. germinate and grow and blossom, you know? Mm. Um, and so what I really started seeing is that there has to be the inner transformation that happens, but also the external systems need to change because mm -hmm. because unless those are really changed, then people will operate in the same patterns, the same structures that are creating the disharmony, mm -hmm. you know, on the planet. Mm -hmm. So with the OSA, um, you know, the the people are really, I would say, very fired up around wanting to have the region be a model for um, regenerative economy, for um, you know sustainable practices, all of that. Mm -hmm. So we're really supporting them and their vision. Um, and one of the things that we initially did was to really understand what that vision is. And so we did an interview process for about a year and a half with all the different stakeholders in the region to synthesize, understand what is that core vision that, that is shared amongst all stakeholder groups. And, um, and then what are the key challenges that, you know, the, that we ask them like, what are the key challenges that you see in the region and what are mm -hmm. the opportunities? Mm -hmm. And so with all that information, we just um, analyzed it, put it into a fancy systems map mm -hmm. <laughs> with causal loops and all of that, and then yeah. validated it with the different stakeholders to see, okay, is this what you're communicating to us? And they basically, most of them had a lot of that information in their heads, but mm. it was helpful, I think, to have it just on a piece of paper to, yeah. you know, to visually look at it and to be able to communicate with it. So it was really used as a tool for communication, for mm -hmm. understanding, okay, these are the dynamics happening and um, how do we, how do we shift those, those vicious cycles, those negative mm -hmm. dynamics to that so that they're actually supporting this core vision. And the core vision was thriving, or is thriving communities, a thriving ecosystem and a mm. thriving economy. Mm -hmm. And how do you how do you have a virtuous feedback loop that really supports all three? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, now it now basically uh, the the community leaders are identifying projects and mm. and so we're looking at just that structure for the community to identify those projects and then to be able to um lead those projects into success you know and then yeah. and then to help match up investors with those projects and and support the region so that yeah there is that environmental protection cultural protection um and you know sustainable livelihoods so it sounds like it's mobilizing now and there's some some action that is getting underway mm -hmm. and it's so exciting to hear mm -hmm. uh what what is one of the the projects or the ideas or or one of the the outcomes with the community that you're you're most excited about, you know, a, a specific example mm. that uh, our audience might in, enjoy hearing about and sort of visualizing. Mm. Yeah. So the projects range right now from agricultural projects mm -hmm. to educational projects, conservation projects. Um, uh, let's see, even hospitality, um, yeah. eco hospitality and ecotourism. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, so there's one exciting project where the, there's a cooperative of farmers who are wanting, they, they each have their own parcels of land and they, mm. 
been growing palm oil, they're palm mm. farmers, mm. and they're wanting to transition off palm and bring in these these other sustainable crops, um, mm. you know, and, and that creates more resilience for them so that they're not dependent on one commodity and yeah. cash crop, and then they can also begin to, um, yeah, have, have these other crops like cacao and mm. um and coconuts and uh, turmeric and all these different ones. They're like my favorite thing. So yeah, <laughs> so they're wanting to purchase a plot of land where they can they can basically start growing these different crops and mm. learning which ones do well in the region and um, and sort of have it as a as a community owned and governed parcel of land to really start to transition off the palm yeah which is exciting and yeah, yeah. and then there's another group of um women women farmers that have a that have a collective mm. cooperative and and they're really working towards no pesticide use um combating climate change mm. Um, you know, being using as sustainable practices as possible, mm. uh, and they're they're amazing. So they've created a council to really advocate for this and um, and bring the best sustainable practices into their farming practice. So yeah, it's so beautiful. It's <laughs> so mm -hmm. exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I love thinking about too the the uh, obviously there are many ways that uh, people can get involved and support this work that you're doing and. As some of these sustainable enterprises get underway, one of those ways down the road will be buying the sustainably produced turmeric or chocolate or what have you. And I love it because things like turmeric are bringing great health and healing to people all over with the anti-inflammatory properties and, mm -hmm. and more and more people are becoming aware of, of how wonderful uh, turmeric can be for us. And, relieving aches and pains and all that kind of thing mm -hmm. so there's there's virtuous cycling emerging here that goes well beyond the geography of the osa mm -hmm. and it seems that it's that kind of deep pattern for sustainable development that mm -hmm. by golly if we can do this well in mm -hmm. the osa if we can do this well in other places around the world we might we might just end up where we want to go mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. time yeah, yes, definitely. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to ask you also, I know that we, we talked a little about these solo retreats and uh, coming up uh, in a few months, it sounds like you're going to be hosting a retreat mm -hmm. uh, down there on the Osa Peninsula. And uh, it sounds like it, there are still some spaces open at least as of the time that we're recording this. Mm -hmm. um, what What's that program going to look like? And, and can you tell us uh, when that is and when that'll, uh, what, what that'll be uh, mm -hmm. like for people to experience? Yeah, so, so that program um, will be on May 12th through the 18th. Mm -hmm. And basically the, the intention of the program is to begin to link up the, the inner transformation process mm -hmm. Um, and the systems change work that we're doing. Mm. So basically, this retreat will will have a combo of both. So there'll be some mm. awareness um, practices that will be taught, and then we'll do a little bit of nature solo time, mm. and um, and then we'll teach about systems thinking and really share the process that we went through 
in the field in the OSA and look at how systems thinking can be applied in mm. the field. Mm. And then we'll have a experiential journey of meeting some of the project leaders and seeing some of this chain that change that's happening mm. on the ground. Cool. Um, and you know, and our our target target audience is really investors and donors. Um, and, and that's primarily because we also want to look at how do we start moving mm -hmm. our financial resources or money towards projects with impact and yeah. how do we assess what is a project with impact that can mm -hmm. have environmental and social impact. And so, you know, at the end of it, we will allocate um, some of the money from the retreat mm -hmm. towards uh, a project that's collectively decided on oh, or a collection so cool. of projects. Mm -hmm. Wow, that really so it brings you know yeah. the inner work and then the learning you know with the experiential learning, but then action. So that that's mm -hmm. something that I'm really wanting to bring forward is how do we do retreats, but then take action together. You know, so that you just don't people don't leave and then nothing happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's really sort of elevating the what we refer to as ecotourism for on, on a certain level what you're offering folks is this incredibly rich and profound immersion and experience of the systems thinking as well as what's going on in the community and the group will be essentially investing in uh great work that's being done right there in that location my gosh that's incredible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what a cool experience i i really uh Look, look forward yeah. to hearing how that goes for everybody. It sounds like it's going to be an amazing time. So that's mm. May 12 to 18 in the year 2019. And um, folks can go to regenerativeearth.org to get more information mm -hmm. and to connect with you. Is that mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, regenerativeearth.org is spelled um, basically as those two words, no punctuation between them. And uh, if you want a little... Uh, help with spelling, you can look to the uh, uh, show notes and it'll be listed there. Um, and I want to also mention, in addition to going to regenerativeearth.org to uh, check out the amazing work that Jennifer is doing and to learn more about this retreat opportunity in May, um, if any of you would like to go to whyonearth.org, you can also check out some of our ebook and audiobook resources and use the code podcast, the word podcast, and you'll get discounts on those. We, we are excited for you to check those out and uh, hear a little more about stewardship and sustainability through that lens. Um, so I, Jennifer, I'm so in awe of the work that you're doing on the OSA. And I know that there are some really special creatures living there, <laughs> yeah. jaguar and others. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just curious, uh, you, you've shared with me a couple stories in the past of some really magical encounters and, and experiences, and I'm just curious if one might come to mind that, that you would want to share with folks. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, gosh, I've had so many just, yeah, just experiences with the wildlife down there. I mean, that's one of the things that I love about being down there is that there's just such an abundance of wildlife. Mm. I would say the one that sticks out the most right now is um, I was hiking with one of my colleagues in the Corcovado National Park, mm. and we crossed a river, and then about um, maybe 10 feet after that, there is a puma that was just mm. laying 
on the ground about five feet away from us wow. and she was so calm and just batting her eyes and wasn't scared at all and we weren't scared at all of her either and so we just sat there and our guide ran and got some other people that were hiking on the trail to come and see mm. um so but we had about five minutes just standing there with her you know kind of moving her head batting her eyes feeling very relaxed and then and then the rest of the people came up and she got a little spooked and got up and walked away but um it was such a powerful experience um you know to have that type of an encounter uh that was very um yeah, it, it, we just felt very safe and very yeah like there was just this connection mm -hmm. yeah that sounds like what some of my friends and colleagues would call good medicine. Mm. And I know that part of your practice and part of your journey <clears throat> has involved working with indigenous wisdom keepers and working with different types of spiritual medicine, maybe is one way to describe it. Um, I'm wondering if, if you might like to share with our audience a little bit about that, that aspect of who you are and, and what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, so that those studies are really again it's it's deepening that relationship with the natural world mm -hmm. and beyond, you know. Um it's really cultivating the practice of cultivating those relationships with the individual species in the ecosystem and then the whole ecosystem uh collectively and mm -hmm. um and then cultivating intuitive capacity. So, you know, really learning how to access um, one's intuition or how to how to interpret, I would say, the sensory information coming in in mm. a clear way. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, just just learning how to communicate with nature, you know, mm. and the different species of nature. So part of those those studies are really um, with the underlying intent of being a good environmental guardian mm -hmm. and a good environmental steward you know, to, to really walk in a way that is um, ideally as altruistic as possible. So, mm -hmm. you know, my practice is really to, to have my actions be in alignment um, with all life, just to support all life. And of course, I'm completely not perfect in that <laughs> regard, but I try, I strive for that. But that's kind of the, the point is just deepening those relationships, um, really you know, having those, your actions be aligned with, with that altruism, that greater altruism yeah. for the benefit of this planet and to support this planet. Um, and we do it and yeah, there's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of, um, the, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I understand that although solo experiences and solo practice is a big part of, uh, how you live, mm -hmm. you're also doing a lot of this work not alone, right? You have a, a teacher and mm -hmm. you're you're working very specifically in certain uh, traditions and lineages. And mm -hmm. is that something you, you'd like to speak to? I find it yeah. really interesting and something mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of our audience would find interesting. Also. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, um, I actually first started working with a Taos Pueblo um, native when I was about 19 years old and mm. and she started to open me up to um i would say those the solo experience in nature and connecting to i would say much more su just to the subtle realms mm. and 
Um, and also introducing me to, to healing, you know, and, um, and that depth of work. And then I, I met John Milton and mm -hmm. started signing with him in, in the way of nature, um, when I was 22. So it was about 15 years ago and <clears throat> fell in love with his whole process because mm -hmm. I felt it was a really nice, um, and effective structure to help people, cultivate those awareness practices and learn those tools mm. and to also establish a deep connection to, to all of nature, to all life. Mm. Um, and then seven years ago, I started studying with a Apache elder, mm. holder, and, and really um, learning about that practice of environmental guardianship. Um, and yeah, so she's, a primary teacher for me um, now and and is yeah I, I learn so much I mean the the unbroken lineages the depth of knowledge that mm -hmm. they carry is is beyond explanation I mean it's they're kind of like these walking libraries that mm -hmm. hold so much wisdom and so much knowledge and they have mm -hmm. so much integrity around how they share that wisdom and knowledge and how they use it, you know, um, and their integrity is really around utilizing that wisdom for the benefit of all beings and for the benefit of this planet in yeah. particular. Mm -hmm. To me, it's um, such an important aspect of our human experience in these times in particular. You know, there are so many of us who have, mm -hmm. through the forces of modern industrial culture, uh, become disconnected from the incredible spiritual wisdom, spiritual technology that our ancestors held and cultivated and uh, practiced. And the, the looking back through an anthropological lens, we might say that we are all from peoples, from places all around the planet that have possessed these incredibly rich and essential forms of wisdom and knowledge as to how to live well on this planet, on this planet Earth, that we all share the best spaceship ever mm -hmm. uh, that we've come across and that we share and that is hurting so much now. Mm -hmm. And part of the indigenous wisdom I've had experiences with over the years uh, makes very clear that a big component of that knowledge is ecological awareness, is mm -hmm. how to be good stewards. And that is, in some traditions, the function, the reason why human beings exist on this earth, right? To be good mm -hmm. stewards of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I know that when you're working with executives, when you're working with teams mm -hmm. that are doing the kind of regenerative work like that team you helped uh, on the uh, Baja Peninsula, to go deeper into this reconnection with this wisdom and knowledge is so important mm -hmm. to the work we're doing mm -hmm. and you know my hope is more and more of our friends and colleagues executives and otherwise will mm -hmm. take that step into mm -hmm. experiencing this kind of incredible wisdom and magic that, that you're offering mm -hmm. and um, so I'll encourage our audience again to check out regenerativeearth.org and connect with the work Jennifer mm. is doing, mm. but um, you know what what you're helping to bridge is 
a lot of different worldviews, a lot of different versions of what's true. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if, does that ever, is that hard? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is sometimes, it uh-huh. is. Um, I try to meet people where they're at, uh, that's sort of my philosophy, and I think a lot of what would be considered spiritual work is also very grounded and very, it's, it's very rational as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for instance, you know, as you're, well, so with some of these programs, we're teaching awareness, cultivation tools and practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does that translate to utilizing, how, how is that beneficial to, you know, a, a businessman or something or mm-hmm. businesswoman? Mm-hmm. And, and very practically, I mean, if you're more aware, if you're more aware of, of yourself in the room with others, if you're more aware of, um, you know, the environment around you, then you'll, you'll hands down be a better listener. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to pick up more information that's, that's arising. Um, if you're relaxed and aware, there's much more access to creativity and creative intelligence that arises. Um, and if you have done your inner work around your triggers and some, yeah, just some of the things that might trigger you because of whatever it is, past wounding or experience, You've done your inner work around that, then you won't be as triggered, you know, mm-hmm. in conversations or in experiences with other colleagues, and you'll be able to, instead of react to situations, respond effectively. Mm-hmm. So it actually allows you to become better at what mm-hmm. you do um, by cultivating awareness. So it's not just about cultivating awareness; you can have some spiritual experience. It's actually doing that so that you can you can just be more effective in your life yeah. and um, and happy while doing it. <laughs> sounds great, right? What's not to like? We become more effective, and it sounds like we enjoy a better quality of life in our in our day to day experiences as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, Jennifer, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, before we sign off, is there is there anything else you'd like to share or mention to our audience um i think that that was pretty good yeah, <laughs> yeah. i think so too yep um yeah i mean just i encourage i always encourage people you know if they have an opportunity just to go outside in the morning or just at mm-hmm. some point in the day and and feel the air with your you know just through your senses feel that the sun on your skin i mean just have a moment where you're connecting to some element. You can be in a city anywhere. I mean, it makes such a huge difference to relax, to feel, and to be grateful, you know, for for the lives that, that we have. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you, Jennifer. I am grateful for the work you're doing and, and grateful that you could join us today. Mm, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks, Aaron.